It's time for the January 26, 2024 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on National Dental Drill Appreciation Day from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as always, an effective decay preventive dentifrice, Mahler, the fake news dog. Today we'll be talking about gas station heroin, media troubles, Peter Navarro behind bars, losing your nose wheel, and so much more. But first, from the New York Times. At Highgate Cemetery, a Victorian graveyard in North London where Karl Marx, George Eliot, and George Michael are buried. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's a this this is from the New York Times because they had to get in, they had to bring in the uh, it wouldn't be the youth audience with George Michael. Yeah, they gotta bring that demographic in. (laughs) Anyway, there's hundred and seventy thousand other Londoners at Highgate Cemetery. The price of a grave starts at twenty five thousand pounds or around thirty one thousand dollars. Marx's tomb is a major draw for the cemetery, and visitors pay around $12 to explore the grounds and visit the anti-capitalist grave. Meanwhile, there's a massive burial space program, even though cremations are popular in much of Britain, with about 70% of the deceased turning to ashes. In comparison, about 59% of dead humans in the U.S. were cremated in 2022. Mm. But even with a high cremation rate, Britain is facing a shortage of graves. In some burial grounds in London, there is already no more room, and other cities are not far behind. Current regulations around burials are under review, with some European countries leasing plots short-term or recycling graves uh, to deal with crowding. Mm -hmm. Legislation in 2022 gave Highgate the power to take back old and unused graves. Empty graves and graves where burials took place more than 75 years ago will legally be reused. For graves, they call it repurposing, but, you know, what the hell is that? They're reusing the graves. Yeah. For graves where no one objects to the reuse, the existing remains will be interred deeper into the same spot. I don't know if they'll have some sort of machine. I would just punch them down, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This guy. Well, I mean, they have these things called trash compactors. I mean, yeah, you don't really right, have to really Kaboom. just, yeah, just Kaboom. they need to do anything yeah. else. Except... And new burials will be stacked on top of the old ones. Yeah, there you go. What do you think about that? Well, I don't, you know, I don't know what to think of it because actually after I have left this mortal coil, I don't really care what they do to me. Yeah. I really don't. So it's not a bothering me. I guess on some level it's socially troubling or disturbing, but I don't really think it's a big deal. Can we crucify you along the coast highway? You just take your body and hang it <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, I'm not be... saying we're going to kill you, crucify yeah, you. Yeah, no, just no, I get you. When, it's, when you're sure. gone, we'll just yeah. strap you up I got this spot, the north end of uh, Crystal Cove, co- that cove right there, right at the, the north end, right there under the little lookout tower, lookout uh, Is that where post. you want it? Yeah, right okay. there. Yeah, I'm like, all right. Yeah. And then the seagulls will peck at your peck. remains? Yeah, sure, sure. Is I mean, eventually the, the tides it's will take me. good recycling. The tides will take me out, and the fish will take care of me from there. So, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Oh, you're going a little bit out in the ocean. Well, just you can stake me about, you know, at, at low tide, uh-huh. about thirty or forty feet out there. Oh, imagine? I get it. Yeah. And people would just watch your head disappear <laughs> under the water. <laughs> That's it. That'll be the ceremony. We'll come down as the as we there get close be to no high ceremony. tide. Oh, there will be no ceremony. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling you'll be the only one there. So, now don't count on it. <laughs> 
I know you just experienced your father's funeral. Yeah. And yeah, with yeah, all due respect, no, I don't believe in funerals. It's against my religion. Okay. I, I don't understand why you're saying goodbye when you had them there a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and, and everybody could have said goodbye. Yeah. But then everybody, I think funerals are guilt. Well, and they say, well, you know, it's for the family. And I think there's, there is something to that. You know, there, I do believe that's why you're exactly what you're saying. It is for the living. The funerals are for the living. And, yeah, to assuage their guilt. Well, and also gives religion an opportunity to kind of chime in about the great beyond. And Did all you say that. cash in? Chime in. Chime in. Oh, okay. Chime in about mm. the, the great beyond and eternal soul and eternal damnation and eternal well, whatever. Well, you know, religion can go F themselves. Oh, okay. Well, from the Orange County Register. A mountain lion known as Uno because of an injured right eye. Mm-hmm. You know, you get it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. kind of a Sammy Davis Jr. thing. Yeah. Like if Dean Martin said uh, to Sammy, uh-huh. hey, Uno. She was crossing uh, uh, San Diego Canyon Road, a highway in Orange County that she has crossed successfully many times. Mm-hmm. But she failed to get across safely on this occasion. The four-year-old mountain lion was part of U.C. Davis's research program on local populations and was monitored for two years, populations of mountain lions. Mm -hmm. She died from massive head injuries and chest injuries before significant treatment could be started. There have been 140 known fatalities since 1995 of uh, mountain lions, Mm -hmm. 77 from vehicles in the Santa Ana mountain range. Gotcha. According to UC Davis data. That's a lot of mountain lions getting hit up there. It is, it's terrible. And from Yahoo News, from Yahoo News, the Food and Drug Administration is urgently warning customers against using Neptune's Fix, a pain supplement also known as gas station heroin. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Neptune's Fix uh, contains tyoneptine, a potentially dangerous substance that is not FDA approved for any medical use, but is illegally sold with claims to improve brain function and treat anxiety, depression, pain, opioid use disorder, and other conditions. Of course it is. So you can just buy it in the store. There is a little cartoon picture of Neptune on it, and I guess he's shooting up because it's Neptune's fix. Wow. The FDA warned the use of uh, uh, tyoneptine has been linked to several side effects, including seizures, loss of consciousness, and death. <laughs> That's, that would be a side effect. Yeah. Huh? And this isn't the first time I've heard about this, being a, you being able to buy something like this at a gas station. Yeah, a little or pill, a liquor I guess store. it is, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I think it's just yeah. an elixir, a little juice. <laughs> if you're driving your car... Looking for some gas station heroin? May I recommend a donation to KUCI instead? Because it'll make you a happier human. Mm. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. From BBC News. A new study by Public Health Scotland has found that no cases of cervical cancer has been detected in young women who have been fully vaccinated as as part of the HPV immunization program. No cases. HPV is a sexually transmitted infection and is responsible for almost all cases of cervical cancer, the fourth most common cause of cancer in women worldwide. 
The vaccination program in Scotland started in 2008 with girls offered the vaccine in their first year at secondary school, age 12 to 13. So I'm, I'm transposing this as a possibility into the U.S., mm-hmm. but you know that there'd be some coalition that I would imagine Republicans would get behind that would be anti-vaccine. <laughs> Freedom to contract. Yeah. cervical cancer that's what i meant there. yeah that's yeah. the man is not going to keep me from getting cervical cancer yeah bad news from the world of print from the daily cost sports illustrated remember that magazine <laughs> barely the but yeah. venerable bible of sports journalism and bikinis has been in decline for years but last week the arena group which publishes the magazine and website under a complicated management structure had its license to operate the publication revoked. What? Some Sports Illustrated staff members received emails with immediate layoff notices, while others were told in Zoom meetings that they would keep their jobs for at least 90 days. I love the personal touch, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Roughly 100 journalists work for Sports Illustrated. Arena Group's executives told Sports Illustrated staff members they planned on continuing to publish the magazine and website despite having their license to operate the publication revoked. But it was not immediately clear how that would work. God. I would say so. Sports Illustrated, that was the magazine of record in sports and profound impact on sports. And they did some investigative work. I enjoyed reading their profiles and things. And let's not forget their their swimsuit issue. And they had good writers. From Forbes, a few years ago, desperate to avoid being acquired by a hedge fund, the staff members of the Baltimore Sun made public pleas for a local entrepreneur to buy their publication. That request was just realized. Uh, Maryland businessman David D. Smith bought the storied publication, returning the 186-year-old newspaper to local hands for the first time in nearly 40 years. However, All was not well. Smith is the executive chairman of the conservative Sinclair Broadcast Group, a reliable ally for Trump. In fact, in 2016, Smith reportedly told Trump, we are here to deliver your message. In 2018, the company required its stations to film promos echoing some of Trump's attacks on the news media. Sinclair is one of the country's largest local television station operators with nearly 200 stations, including Fox 45 in Baltimore. And according to tax records, Smith's Family Foundation has given more than $500,000 in recent years to Project Veritas, a right-wing group that has tried to covertly record political opponents and journalists. During a three-hour get-to-know-you meeting with Baltimore Sun staff members, Smith, the new owner, did little to assuage concern, telling the newsroom that he had read the paper only a few times in recent months and hadn't read it at all in the previous 40 years, urging them to increase profits and saying he wanted the publication to emulate the local Sinclair station, Fox 45. Yeah, this is very troubling, and all the things you said— and more are are going to happen to what's happening to American press, American newspapers. And one of the things that is so important, if you don't understand this, it's uh, the press or, yeah, the press or newspapers are the only business mentioned in the Constitution. 
And there's a reason for that. It's because they have been able to hold the leaders of this country accountable for 250 years. And that's so important. There's a saying in the business, of news business, and that is we're here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And there's a reason why that is so important to us as a free society. And by the way, Sinclair requires every single station in their chain to run certain content that they generate. Every, every station runs a series of essentially propaganda for Sinclair. The individual stations cannot have their own personality. Yeah. It's a uh, monolithic news organization that's very right-wing. From Politico, California's largest daily newspaper, Los Angeles Times, announced that it is laying off at least 115 people, roughly a quarter of its staff, as it continues to lose money. The layoffs were announced in a newsroom-wide email and come after the paper slashed 74 positions in July. In an article published in the L.A. Times, the newspaper's owner, Dr. Patrick Soon-Shung, whose net worth is $5.5 billion, said the cuts were needed to account for losses totaling $30 million to $40 million a year due to declining subscriptions and advertising revenue. When he purchased the L.A. Times and other California news outlets in 2018, Sun Shang said the deal represented the beginning of a new era and he intended to do what it took to make the business viable for the next 100 years. He's off a little bit on the 100 years yeah. part. Yeah. Just to compare Sun Shang's net worth, which is $5.5 billion, and the yearly losses for the Times, $30 million to $40 million, so just to put that into perspective, a million seconds is 11 days. A billion seconds is 32 years. Right. When you hear the words million and billion, don't be deceived. Yes. It's not just the next step up. Yeah. It's a far-reaching step up that you don't have a chance. If you have a million, there's really not a very much chance that you're going to turn that into a billion. And another thing, I'm sure that the good doctor has lost 30 or $40 million in one day on the stock market. If he is, what he said when he took over the newspaper, concerned about the public interest and maintaining a healthy, vibrant press, yeah. this is complete BS for him to be complaining about losing 30 to $40 million. Well, why not just keep the staff he has and tell them to kick ass and up the game a little bit? Yeah. Why not take a chance? Yeah. That's what drives me crazy about these folks. We say, oh, he's taking a chance by buying the paper. He's got $5.5 billion. Yeah. That's it's not a, a chance. It's a tax write-off now yeah. for him. Yeah. That's a, there's no chance. There's no great you know, challenge for him there. It's, a, it's a, almost a novelty for him, and that's the way he's treating it now. And from Wired, Pitchfork, once a cultural bastion for cultural criticism, will be merged with the men's magazine GQ, oh leading to layoffs within the online publication Pitchfork a prolific publication that could make or break a release from an artist with put-downs or praise, Pitchfork became an alternative to the corporate leanings of Rolling Stone magazine. With the rise of music streaming, social media, and podcasts, Pitchfork has lost some of the cultural cachet that it possessed two decades ago, and like many media companies, Condé Nast, Pitchfork's owner, whose portfolio includes The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, and Vogue, has struggled to remain profitable in the face of advertising cutbacks. In November, Condé Nast announced it would be laying off 5% of its workforce, 
about 270 employees. Meanwhile, from Vice, a shocking amount of the Internet is machine-translated garbage. Researchers at the Amazon Web Services AI Lab found that over half of the sentences on the web have been translated into two or more languages, often with increasingly worse quality due to poor machine translation, which they said raised serious concerns about the training of large language models which affects everything. The study, which was submitted to the preprint server archive, that's A-R-X-I-V, mm-hmm. found that most of the Internet is translated as 57.1% of the sentences in the collection were multi, multi-way parallel in at least three languages. Like all machine learning efforts, machine translation is impacted by human bias and skews toward languages spoken in the Western world and the global north. Because of this, the quality of the translations varies widely, with low-resource languages from places like Africa having insufficient training data to produce accurate text. And so really, a good deal of the world is getting pure crap, and that's affecting the uh, content that we're reading. The downstream crap that we're reading. Because is just... Uh, scraping that and adding it to its knowledge base. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. M. What is it, Mother? He hasn't been saying much. He really hasn't. He's been very quiet. What's up, bud? Well, he's concerned about his language model. <laughs> okay. I don't think there's much on him, Mother. It's just yeah. a lot of, yeah. of gruffing. Yeah. From The Guardian, according to recent research, at the root of all climate change problems is the human behavioral crisis. We've socially engineered ourselves the way we geoengineered the planet, says Joseph Mertz, lead author of a new paper, which proposes that climate breakdown is a symptom of ecological overshoot, which in turn is caused by the deliberate exploitation of human behavior. We need to become mindful of the way we're being manipulated, says Mertz. Mertz and colleagues believe that most climate solutions proposed so far only tackle symptoms rather than the root cause of the crisis. This leads to increasing levels of the three levers of overshoot, consumption, waste, and pollution. That's right. Unless demand for resources is reduced, our innovations are just band-aids. Mertz says that the material footprint of renewable energy is dangerously under-discussed. These energy farms have to be rebuilt every few decades. They're not going to solve the bigger problem unless we tackle demand. Humanity would currently need 1.7 Earths to maintain consumption of resources resources at a level the planet's biocapacity can regenerate. And add into that mix the fact that we are degrading the one Earth that we have, so its capacity is diminishing in addition to the fact that we would need 1.7 Earth. It's about a business model based on consumption. For decades, we've been saying be more green or fly less. But meanwhile, all of the things that drive behavior have been pushing the other way, says Mertz. 
The ancient drives to belong in a tribe or signal your status or attract a mate have been co-opted by marketing strategies to create behaviors incompatible with our existence. These tools are being used to drive us to extinction, Mertz says. Why not use them to build a genuinely sustainable world? Yeah. May I offer in something you've heard me rant about, about before, and that is, how about if we start building infrastructure to deal with the coming crisis of rain, heat, and all the rest of it? It doesn't seem like we're building the planet that we're going to need to get us through this period of human destruction or human abuse of the planet. And when we start doing that, I think it'll it'll be a path forward. It'll be a way out of this as as opposed to waiting for this stuff to happen and then reacting. We don't seem to be doing that. Because people are still impressed with owning a yacht. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still impressed with owning a Tesla. Yeah. And they're still impressed by getting as many clothes that yeah. makes them feel like a better person. Yeah. That's what the problem is. Yeah. They they get some sort of status about traveling around the world. There's no status in that. Right. There's no status in hopping on a plane and flying to Paris to get your photo taken. That's that's right. complete BS. And and you're really diminishing your own status by doing something like that uh, yeah. with a lot of people. And that's the lesson. Yeah. It's time to make fun of these idiots that hop on a plane and travel just so they can. Yeah. Or they think they're enriching themselves. They're not. Right. They're just giving themselves something to talk about so they can feel more important. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> From E&E News, Sunbelt cities prone to extreme heat and precipitation have more parking lots in their central cores than other urban areas, potentially work worsening climate impacts for millions of people. Hmm. So we got these uh, asphalt lots everywhere. And asphalt and is bad for the environment. Asphalt, yeah, and, and, uh, and concrete cement. too. Yeah. This is according to a nonprofit group focused on urban planning. While surface parking has accomplished the growth of most U.S. cities, those, those with the highest current concentrations of vehicle lots and decks are in the southwest, along the Gulf Coast, and in the southeast, like Atlanta, Dallas, and Houston. One-third of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the state capital, is dedicated to parking, while nearly half of central San Bernardino, California, is covered by lots or decks. Impervious parking lots can worsen urban flooding during extreme rain events. Mm -hmm. Peak runoff from parking lots can overwhelm stormwater systems, leading to flooded streets, sewage backups, and pollution spills. Dark asphalt lots absorb solar radiation, contributing to urban heat island effect in many city centers. During last year's record-breaking heat wave in the southwest, Phoenix saw 31 consecutive days of 110-degree heat or higher. God. Its average July temperature was 102.8 degrees, the highest ever recorded in a U.S. city. Phoenix scored seventh from the bottom among large cities, with 22% of its urban core covered in parking lots or decks. Los Angeles dedicates 23% of its downtown for parking. We need porous cities. We need cities where the, when the rainfall lands, it goes down into the ground and into our aquifers. We do not have that. And one of the things I learned in, during my period of time in working at Public Works is that there are lots and lots of very attractive alternatives to being able to do this. And, and there is no shortage of the technology. There's no shortage of the kind of 
infrastructure that I was just talking about that we can put in place. It's the political will. It's getting people on board to support it and, and fund it. And that's uh, that's the big part. Yep. And it's not just a political will. If, if some of the developers that build yeah. these areas up yeah. would uh, take that into account in their planning. Yeah. That's why we have regulations. That's why it's forced onto the government. Right. To, to, like you said, you want the political will. Well, the political will needs to be there to put regulations in place to give people the will. Yeah. I well, guess, or at support. least the profit yeah, motive, the, the, the support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they don't. They don't uh, do it themselves. And this is one of the reasons why the very disturbing turn of the Supreme Court, as it's now constituted. Rightfully, people are upset about the incursion of our civil rights on by the court into our lives, whether it be abortion or otherwise. But the other thing that is really troubling about this court is how business-centric it is. Alito, uh, Gorsuch, these guys are hardcore corporatists who will do anything they can to basically make it easier for big big interests, big moneyed interests, to be able to do anything they want to—, to uh, whatever business they're running, without regulation at all. Well, it sounds like they're going to rule against uh, the uh, agencies in the government yeah. who are experts in the field of, say, environment. Well, they've the already done that with the wetlands, yeah. that, that decision on wetlands and the EPA uh, having uh, essentially authority over wetlands was a devastating yeah. decision. And that'll just keep on going that way as long as we have these yeah. anti-environment yeah, yeah. Supreme Court. Yeah. Meanwhile, in a matter of minutes, communities across southeastern San Diego were transformed into disaster zones. Families fled their homes in chest-deep floodwaters. Vehicles were swept downstream as roads became rivers. Residents cried from, for help from their rooftops. A deluge of rainfall from what city officials are calling a thousand-year storm forced hundreds of rescues, flooded an untold number of homes and businesses, and caused millions of dollars of estimated damage in San Diego. And you know that some of that is just the way the city's built. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of this slick surfaces, this runoff. And from the Orange County Register... What? This is good news. There is an Orange County Register. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Okay. They no, do okay. all right. They yeah. have some good articles. Once they do. In a while. They do, actually. Peter think. Navarro. Yes. <laughs> Who? Come on. We have to own this, Nathan. Well, many years ago, we interviewed yes. him here on KCI. It was about 20 years ago. He was a professor here at KCI. A very unimpressive interview. Yeah, I agree. On both <laughs> sides. I agree. <laughs> Peter <laughs> Navarro, <laughs> Professor Emeritus at UCI's Paul Mirage School of Business is a jackass and a Trump <laughs> White House official who was convicted of contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate with a congressional investigation into the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol, was sentenced to four months behind bars. He was the second Trump aide convicted of contempt of Congress charges after former White House advisor Steve Bannon, who also got a four-month sentence but is free pending appeal. Navarro served as a White House trade advisor under Trump and later promoted to uh, and later promoted Trump's baseless claims of mass voter fraud in the 2020 election. He lost to Joe Biden. Yeah, it's kind of shameful, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. to even have him on staff, to have him as a, prefer, a professor emeritus, yeah. a uh, man who was I, in contempt of Congress. 
because he was promoting a lie. Yeah, exactly. From Reuters, President Joe Biden announced student debt cancellation of nearly $5 billion for an additional 74,000 borrowers, including more than half who earned forgiveness after 10 years of public service as teachers, nurses, and firefighters. This brings the total loan forgiveness approved by the Biden-Harris administration to $136.6 billion, far more for more than 3.7 million Americans. That's $136.6 billion for more than 3.7 million Americans. Biden vowed to continue working to deliver student debt relief to as many borrowers as possible in the wake of the Supreme Court's June 30th ruling blocking his plan to cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in debt. Uh, this is good news, and I'm just really proud of Biden for, for pulling through on this. Yeah. If for, there was a point in time where you thought this was never going to happen, there would be, never be any forgiveness of these ridiculous loans that people actually pay off the loan and they're still paying it because all they've done is paid yeah. off the interest yes. on the loan. That's right. This is like 20 years after they've gone to the university, and it was a hoax anyway that got them into the university and because it was they were told that they would be making more money in their lives when, in fact, they just didn't. They, the economy tanked. And it was a drag on the economy because of the debt. It was a drag on these people's lives. They couldn't move forward. They couldn't buy homes. They couldn't get into a better economic situation, just as you described. They ended up being a negative impact on, on a good part of their life. Well, I propose anyone who took a class taught by Peter Navarro have his tuition refunded. There you go. From the voice of OC, a tentative labor agreement between California State University and its faculty reached after a one-day strike drew mixed reviews, but union leaders said it provides major gains for the most underpaid instructors and other benefits. The abrupt end to the strike among faculty at the nation's four and largest nation's largest four-year university system, disappointed some union members who were prepared for a one-week walkout intended to shut down campuses as they held out for better pay and benefits. The agreement avoided a five-day disruption to the system's 23 campuses. Charles Toombs, president of the California Faculty Association, said raising minimum pay for the lowest paid instructors who make up more than half of the union's 29,000 members was a massive and historic win. He also, he also touted the 10% general raise over two years and other benefits like extended parental leave. The union initially had pushed for an across-the-board increase of 12% in one year. They got 10% over two years. It's a good deal. Yeah. It's a, it's, yeah. The idea here in any negotiation is to compromise. Right. And what they were looking for, it's only 2% less, and they have to spread it out a little bit more, but it's a big step forward. From Motherboard, in January of 2022, Harvey Murphy was arrested and thrown in jail without bond for trying to get his driver's license renewed at a local DMV while trying to get his driver's license renewed at a local DMV. According to a $10 million lawsuit Murphy has since filed, a loss prevention agent working for Sunglass Hut retail store used facial, facial recognition software to accuse Murphy of perpetrating an armed robbery at a store in Houston, Texas. In reality, Murphy was more than 2,000 miles away at the time of the robbery. 
According to the lawsuit, 61-year-old Murphy has filed against Macy's and Sunglass Hut. He was arrested and put into an overcrowded maximum security jail with violent criminals for nearly two weeks. While in jail, trying to prove his innocence, he was beaten, gang-raped, and left with permanent and awful lifelong injuries. Hours after being beaten and gang-raped, the charges against him were dropped and he was released. At the time of the robbery, Murphy was in Sacramento, California. He didn't find out about the robbery or that he'd been blamed for it until he went to the DMV in Texas to renew his driver's license. That's facial recognition for you. From Space.com, the Japan Aerospace Exploration Company shared the first image of its lander on the lunar surface, revealing that the spacecraft touched down on the moon upside down. It's remarkable recovery for the it's a remarkable recovery for the spacecraft which experienced an abnormality in the main engine that affected the landing orientation when it was just 50 meters above the lunar surface. So it is kind of remarkable. Yeah. AI corrected it and unfortunately in the process it flipped over and landed on its head. I'm sure you've seen the pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah Japan cool. became the fifth nation to ever pull off a soft landing on the moon after this, but the solar panels were unable to charge because of its position. Remarkably, the lander ended up just 55 meters east of the original target landing site. Pretty good. Good. From Ars Technica, Hewlett Packard's CEO, Enrique Lores, addressed the company's controversial practice of bricking printers when users load them with third-party ink. In other words, they block the printer it from operating. To, yeah, it happened to my dad. Uh, we have seen that you can embed viruses in cartridges, he said. Through the cartridge, the virus can go to the printer and then from the printer go to the network. That was his excuse. The scenario could help explain why HP, which was hit this month with another lawsuit yeah. over its dynamic security system, insists insists on deploying it to printers. Dynamic security stops HP printers from functioning if an ink cartridge without an HP chip is installed. HP has issued firmware updates that block printers with such ink cartridges from printing, leading to the lawsuit, which is seeking class action certification. An HP researcher did find a vulnerability over the serial interface between the cartridge and the printer, but HP acknowledges that there's no evidence of such a hack occurring in the wild. That would be oh, come idea. On. And even if it's theoretically possible for hackers to leverage ink cartridges, it's a minimal concern. And there are far more pressing security threats to printers than third-party ink. Uh, Meanwhile, Loris said, our long-term objective is to make printing a subscription. This is really where we've been driving. So you really won't even own your printer anymore. Nope. You'll just pay them to use this thing. As well, we talked about, my yeah. dad passed. My, we went to use his printer to print something out that we needed, and it wouldn't let us for just exactly the reason you're talking about. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. Talk about being locked into your subscription. It can't use your device because yeah. you let it, because it lapsed. From Los Angeles Times, the owner of Vromans, a historic independent bookstore in Pasadena, is looking to sell both of its locations in the city along with Book Soup in West Hollywood. The bookstore, the oldest in Southern California, was founded in 1895 and has been under the same family's ownership for more than a century. Its current owner, Joel Sheldon, who is nearly 
who is nearing his 80th birthday and who is retiring after 50 years of leading the bookstore, said, Froman's deserves new ownership with the vision, energy, and commitment necessary to take it successfully into the future. I hope, I hope they find someone and not another L.A. Times owner. Right. And finally, from The Guardian, a nose wheel fell off a Delta Airlines Boeing 757 passenger jet and rolled away as the plane lined up for takeoff from Atlanta's International Airport. None of the 184 passengers or six crew on board were hurt in the incident. The FAA report said the aircraft, which had been scheduled to fly to Bogota, Colombia, was lining up and waiting for takeoff when the nose wheel came off and rolled down the hill. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.